All right, so we're in this new series called This is Church. We started it last week with this great reminder that Jesus is the head of the church and you and I are not. Um, I want to remind you once again that life groups are part of what it means to be part of the body of Christ at Waukee Community Church. And I just want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group, get in a life group. The, we're trying to discuss as we work through this series in our life groups, the implications of this is church. And we're doing it at a life group level. So you can listen to the sermon at one level, but we want you to interact with God's word and the message at another level. And so if you are not in a life group, please talk to Pastor Jeff and we will get you uh, connected with a group of people with which you can have community at that smaller level. Well, when my kids were much younger, uh, I, I've almost been here at Waukee Community Church seven years, which is amazing to me. And when, when I showed up, my kids were a lot younger. And I remember one January night, we were coming home from the Johannesons' house, and we had been at their house. And, and at this point, we only had four kids, and they were all a lot younger. And, and we, were, we were coming home. And, you know, uh, our, our family just, it's kind of... Uh, Chaos is normal in our house. It's just part of it. And we were driving home in the van that night, and uh, it was just loud and obnoxious. And there was, uh, you know, laughing and poking and screaming. And dad, he touched me. Tell him not to touch me anymore. You know, those kind of comments. And so uh, at one point, my wife just yelled out and said, okay, everyone, here's the deal. We're going to play the quiet game. And I miss the days when my kids were little enough where the quiet game worked, you know? <laughs> like those were great days. And so uh, all the kids immediately got quiet because they wanted to win the quiet game. And so Clarissa and I are driving through this brisk January night, enjoying just a few moments of serenity. When all of a sudden Nicholas breaks the silence and he says, Hey, Dad, look, there's our church. And he was pointing to this building right here as we drove by it. And then Kaylin said, aha, Nick, you lost. To which my, my wife reminded Kaylin, Kaylin, you just lost too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, oh, shoot. Uh, but we drive by and he said, look, there's our church. And, you know, I kind of, I thought about that. That's interesting. Um, on the one hand, I'm glad they identify this with the body of Christ and not just as a school. But why is the tendency that we have to identify a building with the church? Why is it that we do that? I mean, even here, we tend to think about a service, this thing, as church. But in reality, what is the church? Now, for the last seven years, if you've been here for any part of that time, you know we've talked a lot about what church is not. We've spent a lot of time talking about how the church is not a building, sometimes to ad nauseum, you know. <laughs> the church is not a 501c3 organization. The church is not a building. It's not a 10 a.m. service. It's not a political entity. The church is not an institution. And there, there's a reason our worship leaders, or, and what I said this morning, say, welcome to the gathering of Waukee Community Church. Because we're try we know that church isn't a building or a service, and we must remind ourselves of this because our, our culture views church in a different way. Our culture views church and as a, a church building or a church service, and so we naturally just shorten it to church. And so at Waukee Community Church, we say this a lot. The church isn't. The church isn't. The church isn't this or that. Truth be told, most of us here know what the church isn't. We've been versed in this. 
We know the language that Waukee Community Church is not. We know what a church isn't. And sometimes really talking about what the church isn't, isn't really all that helpful. It's like jumper cables, right? I can know what jumper cables are not. I can know that a, pair, a set of jumper cables is not a lollipop, right? This can be helpful, especially if you hook it up to a car and then try to lick it like a lollipop. That's a really bad idea. And so it can be helpful to know that jumper cables are not a lollipop, to know what they don't do. But at some point, we need to know what a set of jumper cables are. What are they? They're a long piece of insulated wire used for conducting electrical current. Okay, so we know what they are, and it's important to know what they do. What are they used for? Well, jumper cables are used to hook up one car to another car so that the car whose battery is dead can get electrical current from the car whose battery and car is working. In the same vein, it's good to talk about what the church is not, but at some point we need to stop and talk about what the church is. What is the church? We need to speak, I mean, we, you and I, it's good to clear up misconceptions because we talk about church incorrectly all the time. I mean, you probably did it this morning when you walked out the door. You said, hey kids, it's time to go to church. Get in the car. And when that didn't work for 15 minutes, you know, I remember as a kid growing up, my dad would just sit in the driveway and lay on the horn like, it's time to go. I'm not getting out to come in and get you. Just would honk out in the driveway, you know. You probably did that. Come on, kids, let's go to church. And it's good to remind ourselves that, well, this building isn't church and this service isn't church, but we have to talk about what church is. We must define it in terms of what it is, not in terms of what it's not. That's what I aim to do today. Today's a, more of a topical message. Um, most of the time, I preach exegetically. I pick a passage, we walk through, we see what the author's intent was, what God's intent was for the original audience, what God's intent is for us, and we walk through a book. But from time to time, it's appropriate and good to stop and say, let's kind of take a smattering of the whole counsel of God's word. Let's take a few different pieces and put them together on a topic. And that's what we're trying to do today. So the first thing that we need to do is we talk about what church is. The first thing we need to do is ask, what does the word church mean? What does the word church mean? What goes through your mind when you hear the church? Now, maybe the first thing that just kind of pops through your mind is an organization. You think of the church as an organization. That might be part of it. Maybe, you know, you've been versed in this long enough, you know it's more than just that. And so maybe the thing you uh, think about is this logo that we put together for the series, This is Church. And you think about like a, just a bunch of people. You know, we gathered all the people at the baptism and picnic that were there and pulled them together for a photo. And, and you know, maybe that's what you think about when you think of church. Maybe you think, when you think of church, the first thing that comes into your mind is this cafeteria complete with my favorite hamburger stain over there. You know, that's what you think about. You think of all this church. Maybe you think of, of le the leadership of the church. What does the word church mean? The very first time Jesus used the word church was in Matthew 16, 18. It's the first use chronologically by Jesus. We touched on this verse last week in our first, uh, first message in this series. Matthew 16, 18, after Peter had just given this great confession of Jesus, look at what it says up here. 
he said, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I tell you that you are Peter, which Peter means rock. So on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You see, last week, we saw that the church belonged to Jesus. And we highlighted this word. I will build my church. Last week, we talked about that the church belongs to Jesus. But this week, we want to move to the next one. I will build my church. So what does Jesus mean by church? Did he mean a denomination? Did he mean an organization? Or did he mean the, the leaders referring to Peter, the rock, and building off that? What did Jesus mean? Well, again, we need the whole counsel of God's word here to fill in the pieces. The word church in the original language that the Bible was written in is the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia is used 114 times in the New Testament. Literally, the word ecclesia means assembly. That's, that's literally what the word meant. In fact, the word ecclesia is a Greek word that predated the church as we know it today. It predated Jesus' church. The word in the New Testament referred to any group or gathering of people. The word ecclesia just meant a gathering of people. It's an assembly. Luke, in fact, used it three times in Luke and Acts to refer to a gang of rabble-rousers or a mob. It was an assembly of people that had not great intent in their assembly. Sometimes it referred to all kinds of different meetings or assemblies. Ecclesia was used of the local Jewish synagogues during the time of Jesus. So they all understood, good Jews understood that sacrifice and worship happened at the temple in Jerusalem. But if you lived a long ways from Jerusalem and couldn't make it there regularly, you needed a community of your Jewish people. So they built a synagogue a synagogue was a location where the Jews would come together. They would come together and they would worship God in the, the synagogue. In fact, there's a related word to this in Hebrews 10, 25 that Jane read for us this morning. Don't give up the assembling of yourself together. Let, not, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another. That word meeting or assembling there, it's a different word than ecclesia. It's called epe synagoge, <laughs> which is just me. You can hear the word synagogue in it, can't you? Right there. The Jews gathered at a synagogue in the same ways that Jesus' followers were about to gather in the ecclesia, in the church. In the same way, friends, the word church is about assembly. The, it literally means to assemble. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build not just an assembly, my assembly. I will build my church. He's specifying which assembly he's talking about. The church literally means to assemble. Now look how Paul used it in Paul's epistles. After Jesus had died and risen from the dead and spent time with his followers and ascended into heaven and Paul had then been converted from a persecutor of the church to an apostle of the church and Paul's going around planting churches all over the Roman world. And Paul then writes letters to these and look what he says. The first written use by Paul is in 1 Thessalonians. To the church of the Thessalonians or the Thessalonians, 
in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the assembly, well, which one? Which assembly of people? He specifies the assembly of the church of God in Christ. There's a whole denomination that got its name from this. The assembly of God. There's an assembling of the people. Which, which one? Which group? Which meeting? The one of God in Jesus. The one of God in Jesus. There's different types of biblical assemblies or churches. As the church began to develop and focus and change and, and as it began to grow in Christ and, and begin to lay down roots uh, all across the Roman world, what we quickly discover is that the churches in different towns looked different. They looked differently than each other. And Paul discusses this. So in one sense, we, we see that the word church, there's, and the reformers did a great job of teaching this to us, that the word for, uh, church doesn't just mean merely a local assembly, but it means the church, his church. It's a universal term. It's for all the local assemblies put together. It's for all believers in Christ for all time. There's this big picture universal church. And that's why Waukee Community Church is one piece of what God is doing in his church in the Des Moines area. And Waukee Community Church is one piece of what God is doing across the world. So there's this universal aspect, but there's a local aspect to it as well. In the New Testament, there were different types of local assemblies. Uh, let me just flip around. I'll throw the verses up here for you so that you can track with what I'm talking about. The local church looked different in every town. In Corinth, the local church was really interesting. In, in 1 Corinthians 11, 18, Paul's about to uh, kind of smack down the Corinthians for how they participate in the Lord's Supper. And so he says, when you come together as a church. The picture that we get in, the, in Corinthians of the local church is that the local church in Corinth had a number of different homes that they met in. There were house churches all over the city. But at some point when they came together, they tried to come together as a city of Christians for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. When they come together. You see this picture in Corinth of small local church and larger local church. There's the, 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 you know, almost get our model of small groups. You can see it here. It's life group, large group. It's this picture in Corinth of, of the church meeting separately in, in, in more individualized small groups and then in a larger setting. Now, it's also interesting that not all churches had the luxury of doing that. When Paul wrote the book of Galatians, in Galatians 1-2, he says to the churches... This is one of the rare in, uh, instances where the word churches, plural, is used. Galatia was not a city, it was a region. And the churches all across the region of Galatia didn't have the luxury of just meeting regularly. And so he writes to the local churches in a region. The there were various sizes and various structures to the local church, but they identified with Christ and each other. There was an assembly there was a community, a nature of come together. It's what the word means. So I have searched long and hard for a definition of church. And it's really interesting. Very few people want to actually define the word church. They'll describe what a church does. But very few people want to define it because this word assembly is so loose it seems. Just a, a group of people that come together. But I ran across 
uh, one definition that I think is worth throwing up here. And if you look on the screen, one definition that I think is good. The local church, so specifically not talking about the universal church, but the local church is a community of regenerated believers who confess Jesus as Lord. You can't get more simple than that. It's a community of people who believe in Jesus, who have been changed and, and who have been saved by the blood of Christ, gathered together. A community who confess Jesus as Lord. You can't get more basic than that. And the one word that I really love in this definition is the word community. Community is essential. There's an as assembly is important for the church because community is essential to what we do. Now, some might say, whoa, hold on, Dave. Uh, the church only meets for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. And so, you know, what if I can't make it on a Sunday, right? Well, the answer is, okay, the assembly is about community. And so we're not in this to say you must religiously attend. <laughs> That's ironic that I use that word. But, you know, you must religiously attend every week. If you get 50 gold stars, you're good. 48 and it's not good. 50 is good. And some of you are like 26 and, man, you're just out. Now, you, you know, again, we're miss, then we're viewing church as a service. or It's, it's about assembly. It's about community. Community is essential. It's about relational commitment. And so there's a plea here on behalf of me and on behalf of those who love Waukee Community Church and call us their home. The plea is be in community. It's a huge plug. Please be in a life group. We don't have a complicated structure of 1,700 different kinds of events that you can come to and pick as you choose and find a community. We have a very simple structure. If you don't get into a life group, you're going to miss this assembly, community aspect to this church. It's a plea for men to be in relationship with men. It's a plug for women to be discipling women in relationship with them. If you're not investing in the lives of other people, you're missing this come together aspect of the church. It's possible to come 52 Sundays a year, more than I do. It's possible to beat me and still totally miss the assembly community aspect of the church. You can come and miss it. You see, the truth is that assembly isn't just about you. It's not just about you. So uh, occasionally my kids on Sunday night are tired and I've got two in youth group, two in student life and occasionally they say to me, Dad, I'm tired. I just had a busy day, a busy weekend. I just want to stay home and watch TV. Can I just skip? And you know, probably most parents, normal parents would go, oh, you know, I love you and gosh, I feel so bad that you've had such a busy week. Sure, stay home. And I go, nope, not you. I don't care. Why? Why? Because it's not about you. You're not going to student life so you can learn some new amazing truth. And, and it'll change your life forever. And I mean, that might happen. Nick does a great job. But, you know, the point is that there's somebody. <laughs> the point is there's somebody else there. There's somebody else there that needs you that needs your influence, that needs your input. And some of you uh, on Sunday morning, you think about the gathering of the church in terms of what you can get out of it. 
mean, what, what am I going to get out of it? There's a value to being together, hearing the preaching of God's word, worshiping God. There's this value to being together. When I'm gone on vacation, honestly, sometimes I fight a battle with my family. Because when I'm gone on vacation, I always want to find a gathering of a local church somewhere and pop in. It's kind of funny for me, you know, to sit out there and, and listen to the preacher and it's, you know, critique the service. Oh, it's awful. But, you know, that's just part of the curse of me. And, you know, and, say, and so, uh, just, but it, what's best, part of it, the best part of it is seeing this local body of people interacting and loving one another, loving the preaching of God's word, worshiping God, and just feeling like I have nothing in common with these people. I don't know anything about it, but we share here today the most important thing in common. That's Jesus. And I just love it. I love walking into that setting because the gathering of the church is important. The very nature of the word means together. In Acts 2, you know what it says in Acts chapter 2 in describing the early church? It says that they met together every single day. Can you even imagine? Some of you don't like each other enough to see each other every day, right? You know, <laughs> like, no, thank you. They saw each other. They interacted every single day. And sometimes in our culture, that's not exactly feasible. But I think we get to the point where we go, the opportunities that I have, I'm going to take advantage of. Radical commitment to other believers. That's what assembly is about. That's what church is about. Um, someone in our, re in our church recently was talking to me about their life group. And they were talking about their own, their life group is their own personal extended family. In fact, the, uh, this person was talking to me about their life group and they said, you know, uh, frankly, I'd rather spend time with my life group than my own family. <laughs> you know, like on Christmas, I would much rather gather with my life group than with my family. Why? Because for many of these people, with their own family, they don't share Christ in common. But with their life group, it's become a family centered around Jesus. There's a value to doing life together, to, to coming together. What is the church of Christ? The church is us. And it's us gathered. We need to be together. Not just on Sunday. Heather, I mean, please do come on Sunday. The preaching of God's word, the worship, the investment in people, even if it's for a few minutes, is valuable, important. But please be committed to people of the church. Be committed to relationships. Value the other people of this church and commit. Don't wait for the weekly church email to tell you that there's a function coming up that you need to attend. Get involved in people, invest. We ask for three things. Come on Sunday, get in a life group and serve. And all three of those can be done in community. I was talking to someone. Oh, it just, it warmed my heart to, to talk to this person. It was a conversation I was having this week. And uh, someone told me about the desire they have to serve. And they were talking about the third piece of that, Sunday morning life group and service. And then the desire they have to serve and give back to their community. And this person said, I don't want to just serve. I want to serve with the community of my church. I loved it. It was like warmed my heart because like, yay, you're getting what I'm talking about. That we need to do this together. There's a togetherness. That's what the word means. If I were to... If, in, Pick one word, Lori, you're ahead of me. Awesome. One word to describe this. It's community. 
One word, community. What does church mean? It means community. There's another question I ask for you today. I ask of you. If, what does church mean? It means community. What does church do? What does church do then? As we ask, what is the church? Well, for this, we have to flip open to Colossians. And, uh, and Colossians is great. I've got, you, you can flip over there or you can look on the screen with me here. But Colossians chapter 1. First of all, in verse 24, read along with me here. Paul says, now, he's talking to the church at Colossae. By the way, he's never met them. We looked at this passage last week. This is the end of it. Paul says, now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. By the way, I think what Paul is talking about there is not there's, that there's a sense in which Christ's sacrifice wasn't complete because his sacrifice was perfect. I think what Paul's talking about here, here is a personal mission that he has, that he knows that he's going to suffer to some extent in the same way that Jesus suffered. And church tradition tells us that Paul did. He got thrown in prison, he got beat, and his head got lopped off. And so I think what Paul's talking about is he knows this is coming. So he's going to suffer for the sake of the body, which is his church. Now keep going. He says, I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Paul's mission as he serves the churches, even those he's never met, is to present to them the word of God. Now why? Now flip down to 28 because this verse has become kind of a, a mission for me and a mission for Waukee Community Church. He says in 28, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect, or I think a better translation is mature, mature in Christ. Paul labors to present everyone mature in Christ. This is his goal. A lot of us, when we came to Jesus, we were a mess and he rescued us. And now the Holy Spirit is working in us to make us into the image of Christ. Paul's goal is perfection in terms of the goal, maturity. Paul's goal is maturity in us. Paul is laboring for something greater than himself. Paul's fighting. He's working. He's struggling because he cares about the church. He cares about the people. He cares about the assembly so much in this struggle to present everyone mature in Christ. When was the last time you labored for someone else's spiritual maturity. When was the last time you struggled for someone else's spiritual maturity? This is the goal of the church. Paul's talking about it in the context of the church to present everyone mature in Christ. Well, how do we do this? This should be everyone's goal to present everyone mature in Christ. I told you I was jumping all over today, and so I'm going to throw the words up here so you can follow along. How does the church present everyone mature in Christ? Well, if we go back to Ephesians 4, Paul exhorts the Ephesians. If the letter of the Ephesians was written just about the same time as the letter to the Colossians. In fact, they probably got copied and swapped somewhere along the way. They were probably reading each other's mail at some point. And so Paul says to the church at uh, Ephesus, listen, in chapter 4, here's the deal. God has put us all together, all of us in this church, and, I, and God is gifted with spiritual gifts, all of us in different ways. Why has he done this? Look at 
Ephesians 4, 12 to 13. He has done this to equip God's people for works of service. He's done it to equip God's people. How do we bring everyone to maturity in Christ? Well, we use the gifts that God's given the church to equip everyone to get into each other's life and to struggle with each other towards maturity. If the first word was community that I want you to talk about, the second word is equip. Community, equip. We use our gifts, we equip each other, and the goal is until we all reach unity. That's what Ephesians says. Until we all reach maturity. Equip. That's we come together and then we equip each other. Now, some people would say, okay, Dave, um, here's the, the truth. You know, the truth is I'm tired of church. I'm tired of the American church. I'm just tired of church. Can't I just be a Christian and not go to church? In a world of individualism, we tend to think of life in terms of me. But the very word church means that we talk and think about church in terms of us. <laughs> I don't, the, the trend says I don't need church. I could be a Christian without the mess of church. But in the early church, they couldn't think like this. In the early church, to identify as a, yourself as a Christian meant you were identifying yourself with Christ and all the followers of Jesus. There was no like, I want to identify with Jesus, but let's leave the followers of Jesus behind. That was an impossibility. It's like in the Middle East when some of our, our, our friends who are Muslims come to Jesus. You know they make an intentional decision when they do that because they know what's going to happen. Their family will turn their backs on them. Their family will ostracize them and let them go. And those Muslim brothers who become believers and followers of Jesus, they leave behind a family and they join a new family. There's no identify with Jesus, but not the church. How is it different for us? Coming to Jesus is not, like I'll just take my salvation piece, but leave the stupid people behind, right? There's none of that. It's about come together. That's why in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says what Jane read for us. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is why we should not give up meeting together, he says. But let's encourage one another. How often? Daily. It brings out the us nature of the church. The church needs you not just to assemble, not just for community. The church needs you to equip. It's not about you. It's about us doing this for each other. And some of you are just tired of church, and some of your friends are just tired of church, and I would implore you, don't give up on church. Please don't give up. Waukee Community Church needs you. I need you the person next to you needs you. Don't quit. You have a role in someone's life, and it's a quipping role. The church is about community. The church is about equipping. There's a third question I want to answer today, then. What does the church do? So we looked at what it means. We, that's the same question. Sorry. Why does the church... 
why, there's the change, why does the church do this? We saw the ch- what the church means, we saw what the church does, and now we ask the question, why does the church do this? We equip towards maturity in Christ because we have a mission to accomplish. The church equips us to send. That's the third key word. If the first key word was community and the second key word was equipped, the third key word is send. These are key words that I want to talk about over and over and over in this series. We need to come back to Matthew 16, 18 as we wrap up. Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus will build his church, my church. Jesus will equip his church because the gates of hell. That's why. Well, I don't know if you noticed this, but gates are not an offensive weapon. You know, if you think about thousands of years ago, uh, a city would have big, huge gates that they could close for defensive purposes. You know, if, if one city wanted to go attack another city, they didn't go, hmm, how are we going to attack that city? I know, we'll take down our gates and we'll put them in a catapult and we'll launch our gates against this other city. Gates are not a defense, gates are not an offensive weapon. Satan is not, do do you see the picture here? The picture is that so many people think of the church as we're hunkered down and we're in our little in our community and our city and we've got our walls rounded up and Satan's just attacking the church and he's attacking the church like crazy and we think the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and so we think Jesus thank you we'll just hunker down and we know that you're going to protect us. That's not the picture Jesus has in mind. The gates of hell to attack another city's gate you had to get out of your gate, out of your city and go and attack another city. The picture that Jesus has in mind here is of the church going and taking on the kingdom of Satan wherever we go. How does the church attack the gates of hell? We do it in a couple ways. First of all, the church attacks the gates of hell by sharing the good news of Jesus. Do you know the most threatening thing you can do in our culture is talk about Jesus? It's like the most offensive thing you can possibly think of doing is having a conversation with someone about Jesus. Why? Why? Well, we can think, oh, our culture is so sensitive to tolerance and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not why. You know why? Because when you talk about Jesus, you're threatening the gates of hell. When you speak the name Jesus, the name is powerful. We just sang about it earlier. Your name's a strong and mighty tower. It's a shelter, but it's powerful. Nothing has the power to save but the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, just the name is powerful. And when you talk about Jesus, you're knocking on the doors of hell. You're beating on them, and it's threatening. And that's why our culture doesn't like to talk about Jesus. And that's why as believers in Christ, as the church, we must talk about Jesus. We must do it. We must speak the names. You know, so many people have said, well, you know, um, I I, want to preach the gospel and use words if necessary. That one's been thrown around a lot. And what that means to most people is, oh, that's great. I don't have to talk about Jesus. I can just be nice. 
The gospel is not the gospel without the words of the gospel. How would someone know about Jesus unless you tell them? That's scriptural. Most of us are ill-equipped. Most of us have no idea even how to have a conversation about Jesus. Guess what? Point two. That's why we're in community together. We're going to figure this out. We figure out how I can just speak and live like Jesus. We attack the gates of hell when we speak the name of Jesus in this world. We also attack the gates of hell when we see God's kingdom through us breaking into this world. The gospel is essential. We must speak the name of Jesus, but our actions must back that up. So, Satan is opposed to everything that God stands for. So when you love the poor, you are actively helping God's kingdom break through into this world. When you pray for healing for someone, and God's Holy Spirit comes in and does healing, it's part of God's kingdom breaking through, breaking down the doors of Satan's kingdom. When you fight for justice, God's kingdom is breaking in. When you live a light in the light of the resurrection of Jesus, God's kingdom is breaking in. But it's not just about you alone. And this is the, the piece that I don't forget. So many of us would think, okay, when I leave the gathering, now I'm just an individual and what I do is for Jesus. And that's true, but it's about us doing this. It's about corporately us saying we all embrace the vision of sending. We will all attack the gates of hell together. And this is why I've thrown up this drawing time and time and time again, is that most people think about church the other way. We talk about churches, we equip and we send. We have community, we equip, and then we send. And that's why the arrows in this picture are pointed out. But so many times the church turns the arrows around. And we say, the point of church is to be together and maybe someone will come and, and be part of this. And that may happen because God's awesome and powerful. But that's not attacking the gates of hell. When we turn around and equip you and send you. This is the vision for what is church. It's a community of believers centered around Christ, equipping one another, sending us each other out on the mission of attacking the gates of hell. As a church, we have a community. We are an assembly. We do equip each other. And then we send each other back to the world. I want to ask you a couple of questions today as we close. A couple kind of soul-searching questions. Are you radically involved in the community of the people of God at Waukee Community Church? Are you committed community? Are you investing in community? My second question for you then would be along the second word. Are you radically investing to equip another at Waukee Community Church? Are you involved in investing in presenting someone mature in Christ? And my third question for you is, are you radically committed to being sent to the world? Are you committed to Christ, to living Him, to attacking the gates of hell? Because this is church. This is church.
I want the worship team to come and I want to sing that closing piece that Christ is the cornerstone, that the church's one foundation is Jesus, that we radically invest in each other. Would you pray with me as they come? Jesus, thank you that you are undeniably the head of the church and you are undeniably the head of Waukee Community Church. We point to you joyously. And now we celebrate the togetherness that you have given us and we invest ourselves in each other's lives. We come together, we equip each other and we go to take this good news to the world. Would you challenge us? Would you be our foundation, our cornerstone? Would your spirit go with us? Would you let us love each other the way Christ loves us? Would you let us invest in each other? And would you let us take the good news of Jesus so that the kingdom of Satan can be torn down and the kingdom of Christ can be built up? Would you do that through us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.